If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of California Underground Podcast. Today, I have with me the candidate who is running for the Assembly District 38, correct? It's, yes. all, it's all weird because of the redistricting the way things are. So there's an old 38, now there's a new 38. Uh, we're going to get to the specifics of that. Cole Brocado, is that correct? Yeah, Brocado. Just, just bro. vote bro. Just vote bro. That's a good slogan. So uh, thanks for coming on, Cole. Um, I, I, like we were just saying before we hopped on, it's been my goal to kind of really highlight assembly people, state senators, people who are running for the legislature here in California. Because that's really going to fix what's happening here. Um, the crazy laws we all see are a result of our really imbalanced legislature. But we can talk about that in a little bit. Why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself, um, where you're from, why you decided to run. Sure, absolutely. So my name's Cole Brocado. I'm, I'm a lifelong Californian, uh, 35 years old. Everyone asks, like, how old is that guy? 35. I'm plenty old enough to be doing this. Um, not a politician, not looking to become a politician. I'm here to be a statesman. Uh, I've got my own small business. I, I work in construction. And when looking at what's happening up in Sacramento, nobody's representing me. Nobody's representing my family's values. Nobody's, you know, looking out for businesses here in California. It's, it's all corrupt. And when, uh, when the shutdowns happened and I watched my friends' businesses get shut down, I watched the churches close and you know, you, you look in those times that that's when strong men step up and do something. And I looked around, and I, I kept waiting. Like, we've got very important people, people way more important than me. They're, they're going to step up. They're going to do something. And nobody ever did. And we just got crushed. And I, I turned around and I said, well, then I guess it's going to be me. So we, we stepped up as a family, talk, talked it over with the family, got the most supportive, most, you know, wonderful wife in the world. And she said, honey, go get them. So here we are. We're going to go get them. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we were talking a little bit before uh, we hopped on as well. Uh, I mean, it's no surprise for anybody who's watching or looks at your Instagram page. You don't look like a stuffy button down establishment Republican who's running. I would say you look more sort of representative of your area and if you could just tell people where the 38th specifically is so that they know what area you're going to be representing yeah so i'm, I'm in the beach district i've got uh, i've got oxnard i've got port wainimi i've got ventura um, but then i also go in and i get fillmore uh i get ojai piru uh santa paula and then i get half of camarillo i get the north half of camarillo how they decided to cut that up I don't know, but anything north of the 101 in Camarillo, that's my district as well. So it's a, it's an awesome district. And I agree, you know, this, this stuffy view of us, to me, you look like a Republican. You, you look like a conservative with common sense. I mean, when, when people say that, I, I get it. We get labeled with, you know, being one thing. Everyone who's mm -hmm. a Republican, you got to be a Koch brothers Republican. I'm like, that's not really the platform of our party. And that's why I'm running on my values. And I, I, no. you know, I've been a Republican uh, and I'm, I'm proud of it. I, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-God, I'm pro-gun. So it was, it was kind of a natural fit. But when I get in, I'm pro-business and I'm pro, 
the people of California. So it's it's funny. We've got a, a new wave. We'll have to have you uh, have my friend Siaka Masakoy, who's running as a Republican in Los Angeles. I don't remember what district, but he's running for assembly. You get the two of us on a podcast, they're going to not understand. What do you mean these are Republicans? Yeah, uh, I, I would love that to, to have that combo. But I, you touched upon something that I always say that's so important for Republicans or anyone who is trying to run against Democrats, whereas libertarian Republicans, independents, you're talking about how these are your values and you're running on your values. And I feel like that has been something that has really been missing from a lot of conservative candidates and in the way they approach it is um, it's always the facts. It's the logic. We get it. It's the Ben Shapiro facts. Don't care about your feelings. But you're not connecting with people that way. And right. I think when people see someone who runs and shares their same values, they go, yeah, that's the guy that I want representing me because I agree with his values. Do you see a lot of that like out on the on the trail when you talk to people? Yeah. You know, I, I get an enormous amount of support from especially Democrat moms right now. I mean, what with the, the vaccine mandates when it comes to the kids is really creating a rift through what has been a very consistent part of the Democrat Party. And it's pushing them out. You know, there's certain things that people will do for themselves and there's certain things that people will do for tribalism, but not when it comes to their kids. People have lines and it's it's getting brushed up on. People don't want to co-parent with government. It's one of my slogans. I will not co-parent with government and I do not expect anybody else to. So it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting dynamic. I always I teased at the beginning. I'm like, my long hair, they're going to think I'm a Democrat. Maybe I'll get some extra votes that way. Yeah. But it's it, it is it's it's one of those one of those funny things. I tell them when I'm when I'm out on the streets, I'm trying to meet everybody because I don't want you to vote for me just because I've got an R next to my name and don't vote for me also just because I've got an R next to my name. You'll know me. how many most people don't even know what the assembly does, which is crazy because the assembly does everything that affects your life in California on the day to day basis. So if you don't know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as well, because I want everyone to know and understand because it's, it's wild. It's wild what our assembly is doing right now. We've got three monster bills coming in. We had a whole lot of bills that got passed right after Gavin Newsom survived the recall. Um, and it's, it's important. People are, are starting to question and people want to know. So let's make sure they know. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's always, you know, I, I don't fault a lot of people for it unless you're really wonky like myself and nerd out on this stuff. A lot of people didn't even really know who their assembly person was or who their state center was. And a lot of people got it confused. People would say, oh, my my congressional person is maxing waters. And I'd say, no, nah, that's your congressional. That's federal. They don't really make the laws. Um, but speaking of laws and you're just talking about mothers and how they feel, there is a big law that had passed through Camaro was at least introduced into the Senate this week, which was 866. And that's the law about preteens. I think it's 12 years old oh, and up can now consent without their parents permission yeah. for to get a vaccine. So and we're also seeing in conjunction with that, we're seeing them trying to get rid of the personal and medical exemptions from all vaccines for school students. So why don't you talk about that for a little bit? So there's three and I'm, I'm going to apologize because the third one, the number is escaping me right now. So the one that I'm the number is escaping me. We might have to look that one up 
uh, that one adds meningitis, uh, HPV, and the COVID vaccine all to the school schedule of shots. And they will mandate that for our kids, if they're gonna go to school in California, K through 12, they will have to get those shots. And they're getting rid of the personal exemption for, for that. You will not be able to opt out. The other one is SB 866, which is in the Senate right now, and we need to shut that one down. That one drops the age of, of consent to 12 years old for the vaccine. That is a gateway bill. If they pass it, they'll do a gut and amend and who knows what else they will allow 12 year olds to consent to. Mm -hmm. It's, it's getting uh, very interesting. They'll be able to, you know, consent to different other medical procedures. I think a lot of it has to do with the age to consent when it comes to things of a more, uh, you know, sexual nature, we can say it, it is getting very, very weird. And then the other one is AB1400, which is the run everyone out of California for medical reasons bill. This one is the medical for all in the state. They call it free medical for all. Separate costs over $360 billion. If your household makes more than $49,000 a year, it will increase your taxes by over $1,000 per month. I don't know about you, but I can't swing an extra $12,000 a year in taxes to have, you know, Obamacare, this this bill, anyone that will qualify to not have to pay the 12,000 would probably be able to qualify for state assisted medical anyways. And anyone that doesn't get under that $49,000 threshold is gonna get priced out of the state. Like that one is a killer. So all three of those in conjunction are, uh, are bad news. And the assembly is working on all of them right now. Yeah. And the single payer is, I, I did the podcast last week. I talked all about this. It's even worse than Obamacare because Obamacare, at least it, that's what Newsom is proposing is like this universal health care. If you can't get it through private, there'll be a government safety net. The single payer is even farther than Obamacare. And people need to realize that that means the government is going to have complete control over your health care from here on out in California, you won't get to pick, you, you don't get your private insurance. Um, and they try and say it's 360 billion now is the guesstimate or the, the, the estimate that they're giving us. Um, I don't think it's gonna be anywhere close to that. I think it'll come out to be way more than that because the government always ends up spending more and being way more uh, inefficient and wasteful when it comes to even programs oh, yeah. like this. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Well, and even that is almost double what the state budget is. Period. But you take the three in conjunction. Your kids can opt into medical decisions at twelve. You've got these other vaccines that all of them have different issues when it comes to kids. Even the HPV uh, vaccine has major issues when it comes to kids. And now we're all going to not be able to opt out of this medical program. And they're going to be able to tell us we have to get whatever they want us to. Oh, you want to go get a prescription because, you know, you've got bronchitis. Well, let's check and see what your uh, what your shot record is. Let's check and see when you got your last. Oh, you haven't gotten the booster. Oh, you haven't gotten the vaccine. Well, and you can't get your medicine. I mean, there's there's so many things that can go wrong with this. We've given up so much freedom. 
And at this point, I, I look at California. One of my goals when I get into assembly, one of the things that I'm running on is I want to get California back to a one income and you can thrive state. We're all individuals. I should be able to afford to live in a house. I should be able to afford to have a decent life in this state on just my income alone. And if, mm-hmm. if two people are married and both of them want to work, that's fantastic. But you shouldn't have to. Being able to do that would allow us time to be involved in our kids' school, allow us to be involved in local politics, which would help us to not ever end up in this situation again. It would allow us time to be able to take family vacations and do the things that made us you know, happy people here in the state in the first place. And it's possible. We need to lower the taxes. We need to lower regulation. We need to up the freedom. We need to get the government out of our way in California. And you could do this. You could do this in one cycle. We could get things back down by fixing some of our energy shortages, by getting the water situation under control. There's so many things that can be done. A bill like 1400 will make it to where you'll never have an opportunity to do what we can do right now ever again. Ever again. Yeah. Those That tax gets passed. You'd have to repeal and gut that whole thing. And every private physician is going to be running out of the state. Every yeah. one of us, you think people are exiting for Arizona and Texas and Florida now, we're all gone. California will be a wasteland. But half of me thinks that's what they want in the first place. Yeah, it's uh, – and the only people who can really – leave the state are the people who can afford to leave the state and then the tax base gets smaller and then sooner or later they try and figure out that was one thing i was shocked at was how it raises income tax on people who would be considered middle lower class and i was like wow they're actually raising taxes on that And that's probably why newsom hasn't backed the whole single payer thing he's doing his own like universal health care where we got money in the budget i can do that um and, and back to your point most people that would be considered middle-class here in California, uh, especially here in San Diego could probably live on one person's income in 40 other States around If they were on the same amount of money and they went to another state, for example, uh, there's this one site where you can look at it and you put your paycheck in. Um, it's smart asset or something, I think, and you can put in your paycheck and I'll tell you how much taxes are taken out. One day I looked at it and said, okay, if I make this much in California, this is what I get taken out. If I go to Texas, I get an immediate $10,000 raise for the whole year. And that's, and you go, that's why people are leaving. Um, So I I agree. I think that that idea that Californians are working so hard just to keep up, they're losing the part of enjoying being a Californian, you know, enjoy raising your kids here, enjoy having a family here, having a home here, especially in an area like yours, an area like mine, that people really want to go out and enjoy. It's really become hard for a large majority of Californians to enjoy California anymore. Yeah. No, and it's heartbreaking. I mean, we were we were the, the freedom state. You came to California to go to Los Angeles to be able to express yourself and be free. Now you can't go to LA without showing your papers, please. And all these things, It's it's gone gotten so wonky it's it is it's crazy but i think people are starting to wake up we went to a firefighters for freedom rally and there was like eight thousand people there i saw the rally that um you know sean uh frederickson who's one of my friends he was down they had that big rally i think it was on the 8th of january down there by you guys in san diego Twelve thousand people 
I mean, yeah. people are starting to wake up to this stuff, but we have to start affecting change. We have to get these people out of office and we have to start holding them accountable. I mean, think about that. Somebody, somebody in the assembly thought that it was a good idea to write this bill to take away your rights over medical decisions for your child. That should be a political death nail to anybody that puts their name anywhere near that. But we in California, we're not, we're not holding their feet to the fire on those things. We're not talking about it. I mean, you are, and I feel like it's starting to come up that way. But I'm like the fact that anyone who voted to lessen the penalty on pedophiles last year, and they did, how is it that any of them are going to survive an election cycle on that? They shouldn't be able to run for city dog catcher after putting their name on something like that. But nobody, nobody's paying attention to it. We keep everyone following the bouncing ball and nobody notices when they're doing this. You know, what I think is not just evil, quite a bit of it is, you know, innately unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's no morality to them anymore. We, we become an immoral state. It's, it's backwards land. We're worried more about the, the liberties of somebody committing a crime than the freedom and liberty of the victim of the crime that person is committing. And that you, you can't have a society like that. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people look at California, how deep blue it is. Um, and obviously statewide races like a governorship or Senate or anything where the entire state votes on it, it gets tilted because of the big cities, because of San Francisco, because of LA. But I think it's it's so crucial, and again, I applaud you for this, is recognizing that the change has to come in these assembly districts. You know, it's these are the districts where you can you can run, you can get a lot of people who are maybe not Republican, but you can start chipping away based on this real local representation. And that's really how it's going to have to change and get rid of the Democratic supermajority. And people don't understand how how detrimental it is to have a Democratic supermajority in the legislature right now. Even if step one is to break that supermajority, that's an enormous win. Because now all of a sudden you take a lot of power away from the Democrats. They can't ram bills through. They're not veto proof. They don't have to, you know, raising taxes isn't as easy as they thought it was. Um did you recognize that when you decided I'm going to run for assembly because this is where I know I can represent my local community and I can make the most difference? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, you know, two parts of that. The first one is I was approached and asked to run. Um, okay. I, I, you know, I, I, I got involved. I did like the precinct committee project. I got involved in the local GOP committee. Um, started organizing some rallies, started organizing people to get together to fight some of this stuff. And they asked me if I would run for assembly specifically. And I knew what the makeup was. I knew that it was 60 Democrats at the time. I knew we had uh, one independent and the 19 Republicans. Um, And I started looking at the district, what it was then, because originally when I started this thing, I was running in the 37th. Now because of redistricting, now it's the 38th. but I think you're exactly right. I knew that the state was the problem. I never wanted to go to, you know, DC. I'm not trying to run for Congress or for, you know, 
for Senate or anything like that. It needs to happen here. This is my home. And what California does corrupts everything. But you're right, because the Democrats only need 54 votes to pass anything they want with their supermajority. We only need to flip seven spots. I'm like, seven seats flip, and that supermajority is gone. Now if they want something veto-proof, now they need Republicans. And it, Mm -hmm. it happens that easily. Joe Biden keeps talking, and every time he opens his mouth, I get another Republican. <laughs> so it's it's incredible. He he's the greatest converter of people from Democrat to Republican in in the history of our country, I think. But it people have to start waking up to it. And part of it is, like you had said earlier, we have to start marketing what we are. Start yeah. talking about the values. I, I think a huge issue that we have as conservatives in California. We, we like to run as Democrat light. Hmm. Like we don't run as real conservatives and we almost apologize for our conservatism. Like I know that I'm a Republican, but let me qualify it. No, I'm a Republican. This is the new Republican party. Jump on, get on now. We're the new hotness. We're the counterculture. This is where you want to be. We want you to be free. We want you to have more money in your pocket. We want to take care of you. I want to take care of Californians first. I want to take care of your kids. I want you to make sure that your kids are going to get to stay in this state. I want you to be able to be happy, be free. You know, we're, we're not the old Koch brothers Republicans anymore. And yeah. it is like the other side doesn't think you're an adult. The other side thinks you are a child and are going to be a perpetual child of the state forever. They need to make the decisions because you can't decide what is a good health decision. You can't decide if somebody wants to cut your hair and you want a, a haircut, the two of you are not responsible enough to make that decision. The government needs to come down and tell you what you can or cannot do. And I think that that is the most ridiculous thing. Americans, we're, we're made of sterner stuff. And I, I really think that there's a, a good opportunity for us to just get out. The other thing that I always see, the other side has everything right now, right? Like, we've got to be careful. I don't want to get you kicked off your YouTube channel. So I, I'm watching what I say for you. But they've got big tech. They've got big media. They've got every branch of government. They have, you know, every every infrastructure that you would need to get anything done. They have their tentacles all over them. Yet they're still miserable. And we're here getting the boot put to us and we're finding a way to still smile and just crush right through this. I'm like, yeah. that's how you know that, that we're to say that we're winning. Oh, we need to do a lot more to be winning, but yeah. we're moving the ball. That That's the whole thing. They know that, Oh no, they are moving the ball. And, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. There's, there's so much to unpack from what you said there, but I want to go back to where you said, you got involved in your local precinct. And a lot of people always ask me after my lives or in my DMs, they say, how do I change things? How do I get, you know, how do I see what I want to do? And how do I change all this? Cause I'm tired of seeing it the way it is. And I always tell them, get involved in your local precinct. If you're a Republican, get involved in your local precinct and they break it down to the district. So I'm assuming you were involved in your local district precinct or your, your local district committee. And by those connections, that's how somebody found you and said, Hey, you'd be a great candidate. You should run. And I, so yeah, many people I, I, keep going. Uh, you know, and so many people think, well, we keep getting the same people over and over again as Republican choices. 
Well, yeah, because the same people keep showing up to the meetings. But once you started showing up, you gave them a better option. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of exactly how it was. I, I I met this wonderful woman. Her name's Pamela Krausen. She was the the director there at the GOP. And we met, we had coffee, I got invited in, I ended up uh, a alternate for the gentleman who has my district. And, you know, before we knew it, now she stepped down as director and is my campaign manager. I mean, mm -hmm. they were so welcoming. A lot of people, the GOP has a relation or a, a reputation in California, but we're not involved. That That's the whole thing. They're going to keep talking to each other and everyone's going to keep you know, making the same decisions based on what they've been doing unless they get fresh opinions in, unless people start coming in. And to their credit, they've never asked me to change. I came in with my values. I came in with my point of view on things and they ran with it. And they're like, you know, it might just be crazy enough to work. Go get them. And I, I was endorsed by the Santa Barbara GOP a couple months back. And then last night I was endorsed by the Ventura County Central Committee so it's it's state next and we're we're going to roll through. We've got for me it was it was my my weak spot, right? Because in the community, the grassroots organizations, the people who want to do, you know, the stand-up groups. We've got Stand Up Ojai and Stand Up Fillmore and we've got the Brave Coalition. Uh got to give a a big shout out to uh you know, the, the people down there cuz it's awesome. We've got groups like Move the Needle, all these great organizations and I can name more Perk and uh, Cuff and all these all these great grassroots organizations, and I could navigate that. But I needed to know how does the state party work? How does you know Robert's Rules work? How those things? And so I, I went there to the GOP. I took out my notepad and pencil and started taking notes and asking questions. And here we are. Yeah, and, and contrary to popular belief, people think it's kind of hard to break into politics but i would my opinion is at least from what i've seen down here in san diego is they're usually looking for people to kind of step up they're they're kind of sitting around going okay who's going to step in here and break up and that's again goes back to why they keep recycling the same people over and over again who maybe don't win is because there's nobody else to stand up so it is important to get involved in your precinct and your committee um, you know, if you if you have a certain idea of what a candidate should look like, go to your local precinct meetings, go to your central committee meetings and stand up and say, this is what I think they should they should be. And, and you'll start to see that change. And we're already starting to see change with candidates like you. Um, but outside of the GOP, uh, I was looking at your district. It is uh, it does have a Democrat right now, Steve Bennett, correct? Yep. Um, you're going to need to obviously pull people from across the aisle outside of the Republican Party. And that's I think that's true for every single Republican, wherever they're running in California. Only a handful are very safe. Um, what's how are you going about getting those different votes, those independents and those moderate Democrats to support your campaign? So we're out we're out in the street. You know, when, when everybody else is having, you know, Zoom calls and is is reaching out to people that are already listening to them, we're going to the places where where people are having the issues. I've got people handing out flyers at gas stations. So when they're sitting there cursing about their, you know, $5.20 gasoline per gallon, 
if you want to do something about that here, fine, you know, learn about this guy. We're, mm-hmm. we're attacking the low turnout places. I was lucky enough to get Oxnard, all of Oxnard in my district before it was yeah. just North Oxnard, which is where I live. But I coach youth football in Oxnard. I'm involved in the community here and they mm-hmm. have terrible voter turnout. So we're, it's very highly registered Democrat, but it's also very high working class Hispanic. And I know I, I, I don't look at with my you know long hippie hair, but I'm Hispanic and I'm in construction. Working class Hispanic is, is who I've worked with my whole life. I, I worked in restaurant for a long time and everything else. I'm like, you know, we have conservative values in common. I just don't think we've been marketing it to, you know, anybody very well in the last 30 years in California. I mean, nobody's ever even seen a Republican down in Oxnard, but I'm there. I'm there knocking on doors and we're there talking to the community. We're, we're treating it like guerrilla warfare. And I, I started, you know, seven months ago in my community, starting to get the word out that, hey, just vote bro is going to be a thing. Get to know it, get to know it. Now, when I go out in Oxnard, everyone goes, you're the bro guy. You're that bro guy. And it's starting to make a difference. And still they'll come up to me and be like, well, I wouldn't vote for any other Republican, but you know, I'll vote for you. And that's a start. It's, it's the chink in the armor because you're starting to, you know, crack through. And I'm like, do you know what the Democrats stand for? Do you ever listen to any of them? You, you just put them on to Wiener up there in the, uh, in the assembly and they go, Oh my God, that's a Democrat. I'm like, yeah, that's what you guys are voting for is for that guy. Mm -hmm. And that turns some people very quickly. Because a lot of them will still spit on the ground if they hear Trump's name. But yeah. the rest of it, you kind of open their ears up. And even that, once you once people start going down the rabbit hole, it's amazing how many people, a uh, couple YouTube videos can uh, can sway the other way, even on you know something as polarizing as Trump. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's uh, – we, we, I love that you bring up this idea of like Republicans haven't been marketing themselves because they've just basically been, we're the photo negative of Democrats. Um, and I think there's, there's problems with just presenting yourself as the photo negative because contrarian candidates don't win. Nope. You know, no, you can't say, well, I'm not him. And outside of this last election, which whatever you want to say about it was for the only time. Which is the most fortified election for the YouTube algorithms, the most fortified election in history. Um, the contrarian candidate won. But most of the time, you contrarian candidates don't win. And Republicans have been very bad in California about marketing. What do they stand for? Right. And what solutions do we have as opposed to what Democrats have been pushing? And it's something we've been working on down here in San Diego with this Cal Republican caucus idea of like, we just need to put our real solutions out there. Um, so passing the ball back to you, what are some real solutions you as a Republican w- are putting forward to voters to say, for example, this is my solution for water here in the state of California? Right. So it's it's taking things from, from a real world perspective. We talk about this with water. People talk about, you know, you got to take care of the, the watershed or you got to... Um, you know, uh, do more water capture or you need to do more desalinization. Well, actually what we need is all three. Mm -hmm. The the solution can't be every year, just use less water. Like I'm like, so the bill goes up, we pay more for it, we get less of it and you're doing less to get us more of it. 
How does that work? So it, it has to be, you know, a holistic approach. Same thing with homelessness. You can't just build houses, right? You've got to be able to get people off the street. You've got to be able to attack the drug abuse. You can't give people needles and you can't just throw money at it. Democrats, I, you know, I'll say Democrats, especially here in California, because they almost admit it. When you turn around and call yourselves the socialism party, like we can just throw that you're the bad guys. But typically speaking, more government doesn't do well on solutions. They do well on problems. The more problems they have, the more taxes they can levy. It doesn't ever benefit them to solve the problem. If we wanted energy, for example, if we wanted to solve energy and we wanted to be clean, we would invest everything we have in nuclear energy. We would also be not taking oil down from Alaska, shipping it to China and Russia, and then shipping it back to California to get the California refining, we would just be bringing it straight down the coast. It would be less time on a diesel boat, less time with everything else. We wouldn't be buying windmills from China that dirty up the landscape that even if they last, you know, the full 20 years, which is best case scenario, the amount of oil it takes to keep the turbines running, the amount of birds that you kill, the amount of land that you have to take up, plus that big boat ride over from China and then the big truck and the cranes that it takes to put the thing up. You're at a carbon loss, even mm. if you make it and you get everything out of that windmill. If it's spun 24 hours a day for 20 years, you'd still be at a carbon loss. It, it's craziness. But the problems and those contracts, buying those things, there's always runoff money that go to these people. So so to you know, not, not beat around your question, you, you have to take a solutions-based approach to it. How much water do Californians actually need? Not just for household, but for agriculture, because California agriculture is incredibly important. How much do we need for the landscape? Because, you know, last time I checked, since we went green in California, we've gotten a lot browner and we have a, a whole lot of big forest fires. It doesn't look so green to me. So maybe maybe we should start working on some of these solutions. So. That's that's my throw at it. They like to be single solution based. I like attacking it from every angle. And then when you have one that's working better one day, you kind of ride that one. But but it takes more than just one spot. But desalinization, lowering regulation, opening up more desalinization on the coast. Um, that would be a, a huge thing that I would be a proponent of on day one. Uh, yeah, and. Those are all excellent points, and um, the, you bring up a point that I always talk about, which is if this idea of progressivism, and I, and I don't even think it's fair that they have co-opted the term progressive because nothing they've ever done has really progressed us in any way. Um, in fact, a lot of their policies are regressive, and we start to see a lot of strain whether it's through taxes on the lower class um, people who can't afford it we seem to be going backwards on energy and conservation um, but we don't see progress in these areas like you said it seems like we're getting drier we're, we're expecting every year there's going to be a drought and it's just like they 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 ask for billions of dollars but every year we're all of a sudden 
shocked that there's another drought and that we all have to turn our our showers off or we're getting fined because we have take too many showers um same thing with wildfires every year there's wildfires but they ask for more money and you go well we keep seeing more and more wildfires why are you not actually solving the issue on a practical level we so i'm doing a i'm doing a podcast with firefighters for freedom and i'm sure we'll talk about this but forest clearing is an important part of this i mean these firefighters are sick of it every single year they're mm-hmm. the firefighters are dying People are dying. People are losing their homes. And, you know, you'll have people, progressives will laugh. Oh, you're going to go rake the forest and whatever. Have you ever done a brush clear? Because I have. I had family that lived up in the forest up in Tahoe. We'd go up and we'd go camping, you know, all summer. But the first thing me and my cousins did when we got up there, we cleared everything within 100 feet of the house. And that was what we did. Every year we would go up and do that while we were up there camping. And it didn't take that long. And because of that, they're... They never had to worry about it, but they, they laugh and they snicker at these things. I love what you said about them being regressive because that's exactly what it is. Everything that they do, we're, Los Angeles and San Francisco are starting to look like third world countries. We had the plague, literally the bubonic plague in Los Angeles. Like, mm-hmm. what is that? This is LA. It's supposed to be LA and New York, San Francisco, Chicago. Those are supposed to be like the crown jewels of the world. And even, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I don't remember if it was a politician or if it was a news person um, from Ukraine was saying, hey, you don't need to worry about uh, leaving the embassy in Kiev. Uh, it's still safer than Los Angeles. I'm like, that's that's brutal. That's brutal. Might, yeah. might be true, but that's that's brutal. And it, it is, it's, it's too bad. If, if the progressive utopia was achievable, how come they haven't done it? They've had the super majority for 20 years. Yeah. For, for a while. Yeah. And they, they just, they basically control every lever of government and they raise more and more taxes every year. They, we should be already in a progressive utopia based on what they think a utopia looks like. Um, but we haven't seen it in every measure of California metrics education, income inequality. I mean, that's a huge issue that nobody ever seems to talk about in California is income inequality. The last time I checked, I think the stat was if California was its own country, which they always like to brag, oh, if California was its own country, we'd have the fifth largest economy in the world. But you'd also be, in terms of income inequality, right next to Guatemala in terms of income inequality. Yeah, That doesn't sound like an American state that doesn't sound like a state where people can come build the American dream and pass on that generational wealth to their kids. And that's, that's the basics of why people come to America is I want to build a better life for my family. And then my family can build a better life for their family. And it just goes on and on and on. And we don't see that here in California anymore. No, because they, they tax you to death. And only if you are the super wealthy and you can get around the, the tax levers then, then you'll, you'll be okay. We destroyed Main Street. Wall Street thrives. And so the top 1%, they, they've done great, especially through the pandemic or scamdemic or whatever you want to call it. But they've done wonderful. And the small businesses got crushed. The people who come in, the people who own the corner, you know, the corner store, the people who, you know, uh, do the hair salons, the people who have the mechanic shops, all of them got crushed. And they're continuing to get crushed by all these things. Think about the amount of fraud we had 
fraudulent claims for the PPP loans, fraudulent, uh, what are they called? The EBT cards, all these things. People were millions and millions of dollars. California is so wasteful in its spending. Uh, again, it goes back to if the government got out of the way and would let us have manufacturing back here, would let us be entrepreneurial here, we would do great. Californians are hardworking people. We're not lazy people. You stuck our kids in failing schools. They graduate without knowing how to read or write. You or read, write, or do basic math. They leave angry because you told them that they don't have a chance once they get out of school, that the system is out to get them. They're just going to get broken. And now people are angry. They're discouraged. I mean, think about how many people... I, I can think of quite a few people that I know that work like three restaurant jobs and have something else because they, they've got some side hustle dream that they want to be able to achieve one day. And all that gets them is like $700 a month to rent a room somewhere. Like it's, it's brutal. And if you got the government out of the way, I, I tell this analogy all the time from being in the construction side of things. If you want to paint a house in California, you need either to go take some college courses, you need an apprenticeship, you need to spend $800 to the uh, California Tax Bureau, you need to get a business license, you need to get liability insurance, all these things, right? Money, 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 all for the state on the front end. And then maybe you can paint the house if they allow the permits. In mm -hmm. Texas, you need a bucket of paint and a brush. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get out of the way, California. Get out of our way and let Californians live. Like, we, we just want to thrive. They stir up, like, race issues here in our state and all these things. Uh, it's, it's so crazy how they get everyone looking at the shiny object. We, we don't have those problems. California is the melting pot of the world. We're a beautiful state when it comes to our people. Not when it comes to our landscaping anymore because we've got no water. Now we're not even allowed to have grass in most places. How green is that? You can't even have grass. Oh, you're, yeah. you're, you take up too much water, but we want to go green. It, yeah. it's, it's crazy, but but they do. They they have created a way to keep people down and keep people angry and somehow sell that if we just give the state, if we just give the government a little bit more, they'll fix everything. How about you just give us all of our stuff back and then we'll mm -hmm. fix it. I trust you to fix it a lot more than I trust them. That's yeah. that's why I, I wanted to run. You know, I'm I, I'm not a, a typical politician. I'm not going to be one. I tell everybody I'm here to be your wartime statesman because I think we are. I think we're at war for the soul of California. I think we're, you know, on the edge of the knife and we can go one of two ways. Either we can slam on the brakes right now today and we can make a future for ourselves, for our families. And we can take back control of our of our state. Give we the people back control of our state and kick these bureaucrats out. I'm so sick and tired of being lectured to people who don't put their kids in the schools, who don't use the health care, who don't pay the taxes. My opponent's working on, I think, his third pension. It must be nice to go from, you know, you go from school, then you go to an Ivy League school, then you come back and teach, then you become a principal, then you become a city councilman, then you become board of supervisor. Now you become assembly. I'm like, what have you ever done? What have you ever done that doesn't have to do with the classroom? Or what have you ever done that doesn't have to do with in theory? Have you ever gone out there? Have you ever cleared brush? 
Have you ever actually talked to the homeless? Do you think, you know, free needle stations is a good idea? Because, man, New York's new uh, no, no OD stations where you can go in and shoot up or do drugs right there and you've got medical people there to, to supervise to make sure you don't OD, that's got to be great for those neighborhoods. I'm like, what are yeah. we doing? Our tax dollars are going to that. Doesn't that embarrass you? We, we've just spent $14 billion. The school system here in California got $14 billion to make sure that kids wore masks, to get kids vaccinated, to stop vaccine misinformation, to do all this stuff, $14 billion. And we wonder why the schools here in California will do anything that the state says or why the teachers didn't want to go back to work. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I know a lot of amazing. There's a lot of great ones. But just like any other field, when you have essentially qualified immunity for teachers, you can't get rid of the bad ones. And when you've got these yeah. unions that are so, so powerful and have so much pull, how do you how do you stand up to them? That's why they turn around and go, oh, you parents. <laughs> you don't no. you don't raise your kids. We raise your kids. They, they say yeah. conservatives have children. Uh, liberals have conservatives' children. I, that's a good. I've never heard that one before, but that's a good saying. Um, I got two more questions, and then if anybody in the chat has any questions they'd like to ask Cole or comments or anything like that, put them in the chat, and we'll put them up. Um, first question, and these are two completely different questions, so you're going to have to do a little pivoting. First question is, you mentioned you're Hispanic. How important is the Hispanic vote to change and move California in a different direction in, in terms of reaching out to the Hispanic community and, and sharing those values and saying, these are the, and saying, these are things we agree with. And these are things that we think you'd be for. Um, and the second question, completely different is you mentioned a lot about education and schools. You just finished what you were saying about schools and teachers. Uh, where do you line up on school choice and where there is a school choice movement kind of going through California? So I'll leave those 100%. two questions. So 100% we need school choice. I've, I've signed all the petitions. I think it's a great way to bring accountability to these schools. If you've got bad schools, they're going to be empty schools. And we're going to take our kids to good schools. And then guess what happens to the bad schools? They now be, have to become good schools because they're not going to want to close down. I think it's the, mm -hmm. the kindest thing you could do, especially in poor communities, especially when it comes to inner cities and those sort of things. Get your kids out of that. If you can take a, a voucher and you put your kids in performing schools, those schools are going to thrive. Your kids are going to thrive. And then the ones that don't have any students, they're going to step their game up. Anytime you make it competition based, you, you get a better result. You know, we, we got to the moon because we were in competition with the rest of the world to get there. Nobody else was striving for it. If no then it probably wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened as good or the same way. You, you have to have that competition. It drives the market with anything. And I, I think that's exactly the way that it should be for school. I think school choice, I think the homeschooling movement is taking off. I think people, you know, we, you think about, you know, your kid goes to school for seven hours a day, five days a week. That's 35 hours a week that somebody else is molding the mind of your child. And I, I think we, we mm -hmm. desperately need to step back into that ground as parents. And then as, as, as far as the Hispanic community goes, that's, that's California. 
that's that's our California community. That's my neighbors. That's everybody. The fact that a party would ignore them or wouldn't be knocking on the door trying to protect their rights or inform, you know, a whole community about what's happening in the state. That's just I, I you know, I, I wasn't there for what was happening 10 years ago, but it sounds lazy to me. And there's a lot of doors yeah. that I'm knocking on where they're going. Yeah, no, no Republicans ever showed up here. Nobody's ever talked to us. And so yeah. I'm, I'm working on getting the endorsement from Lexit. They're sending me over the questionnaire, but I've done quite a few events with uh, Lexit. Um, uh, you know, any, any kind of Hispanic conservative group out there, we're trying to get one started here in Oxnard. Um, I'm involved with a couple of them there in Los Angeles. Um, I just did uh, a short five-minute radio uh, interview um, on Saturday night with The Answer, and they have like a, a Hispanic night on Saturday. So anything that we can do, because you, you don't have to, it, it's the easiest conversation to have because you just show up at the door and say, look, these are my values. And if you don't start off with, I'm a Republican, you just say, here, these are my values, I'm running for assembly. And then when they agree with every single value, you turn around, you hand them the card, and you go, just remember, you know, vote for me, vote Republican on this ticket. And they go, you're Republican? I go, yeah. yeah. These, are, these are our party values. I'm so excited that I got to share it with you. And have some positivity. Stop yeah. acting like you're going to have to be scared about it. I go in and go, yeah, I'm a Republican. And I'm proud. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of, you know, Abraham Lincoln's party. I'm, I'm the party that ended segregation, that ended slavery. I'm part of that party with a, a proud heritage of it. And we go up and down, you know, there's a lot of people in my party that I'm not proud to have in my party talking to you, Liz Cheney. But, you know, there's, we're, we're not gonna let that stop us. This is this is what the new conservatism looks like. So let's go. Yeah, yeah, I can, I, I, anyone who's listening, definitely, um, they can hear the passion in your voice. So uh, we'll, we'll take a couple questions. Uh, this first one was, how will you stand up against the supermajority Democrats? And what are your thoughts on Anthony Tremino? Uh, so I like Anthony Tremino. I've, I've heard him speak a couple of times. Um, I'm friends with uh, a young lady in his campaign, Brittany. Shout out, Brittany. Um, so we're working on getting a, a meeting going there. Um, yeah, he seems like a good guy. I've got to look at, you know, everything. I like Larry Elder. I don't agree with him about everything. And there's there's quite a few things that I, I actually ended up disagreeing with. But, you know, we're, we're not going to play the purity politics. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, at this point in California, I, I'll, I'll work with a lot of people, especially if you're to the right of Mao in California. We can, we can probably use you somewhere. Um, as far as the Democrat supermajority goes... You know, we, we could break it. You guys, you know, get out there, get out in every community here in California, and you could break it this year. If we don't break it, if it stays made up exactly the way that it is, the way that I can fight the supermajority is I can rally you guys. I can be up there and I can come out every time a bill is going to get voted on, every time they write one of these things and it's going to get sent to appropriation or it's, you know, being debated or any of those things. I can come out just like this through conservative media, through any channel I can get on, and I will blast it 24-7. I will be the biggest Sacramento tattletale you have ever seen. So that's that's a, a way to do it right out the gates, not through compromise. We're all done with compromising. There is no reaching across the aisle with people that want to hurt our kids. So we're, we're going to fight. 
hockey player fight. Yeah. So you'll be like the new Kevin Kiley because he's got a good social media following the way he blasts it out. Um, yeah. This person says, my mom's family has been here forever. Uh, apologies if I pronounce this first one. Chumash and Mexican. I believe that's Native American Chumash. Um, I've served my country and returned here for the first time in my life. I want to leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. It'll chase you. Especially if you're, I, I look at it and go, you know, this thing has moved so fast. If we all go running out of California, you know, the, the, the Nazis didn't stop at Poland. So that's, that's what I'm going to tell everyone. This socialism, look at what's happening to Colorado right now. Look at what they just did to Arizona. Look at Oregon. This thing will spread, especially if we do not fight them on the ground where the fight is. We, we have so much opportunity. So stay and fight. I'll, I'll give you a reason to. When they elect me, you'll know there's hope. So let's go. Yeah, that's what I always tell people. They're like, uh, you know, I, I understand if you have to leave. If for some reason it's your family or whatever, I respect that. But if it's purely political and you can withstand it, I always say if you if you leave and you don't help stop it here in California, it's just going to spread across the nation. And, and nothing will be a stronger message to the left than stopping it here in California and turning it around and defeating it here. If you defeat it here in California, it gets defeated across the country. That's another way to put it. Like this is the fight. If you're tired of the statists and the far left, this is the fight. We're on the front lines of it. So you stop it here in California, it stopped the rest of the country. So yeah. And get involved. I mean, this is, this is my call to action to everybody. Get involved. You know, I, I, I don't do, I don't do the pack thing. Um, I, every, every dollar that I've raised has been right here through, through grassroots. Um, if you're a small business in my area, I'm getting, I'm getting signs made up. I'll put up a sign. I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, any, any business that sells freedom will get a just vote bro sign to put up in there. Get involved, make, make a donation. If you're not donating to candidates, make, make a donation. I go to justvotebro.com. Give me your Starbucks money. They don't need it. I could use them. Every, every dollar counts. Like I said, I'm a blue collar guy. You can do a lot of things with duct tape and cardboard. So any, anything you do will help, but get involved. If you, if you can't donate money, donate time. If you don't live in my area, donate time to somebody else that's in the fight. Anyone that wants to help fight for your freedoms, get involved because nobody's going to come to save us. We got to save ourselves in this one. Okay. Someone, Troy Wagner says, just vote bro. So he's, He's on the slogan. What's up, Troy? Uh, So Jay has another question. He says, my final question of the top of my other three. Let's say we lose this year. Are we done as a state? Oh, man. Um, I mean, AB1400, if it passes as written, it'll break the state. I don't think we're ever done. I think there's a whole lot that we can do. I mean, we're, we're Americans. And, you know, there's... There's a lot farther that we can go. Right now, we're in the we're still in the system, fighting within the system this way. The Constitution gives us uh, a whole lot of levity when it comes to how we can deal with tyranny and what our obligation is to deal with tyranny. Uh, are we there yet? I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm nobody's parent. You you read the Constitution, you decide where you are today. But I know where I am today is is standing and fighting and doing what I'm doing. Um, it would take a lot for me to turn around and, and throw in the towel because 
you know, I'm, I'm stubborn. I just don't quit. Hey, there's so, my family. Yeah. So, uh, I think that was it for the, the comments and questions were coming up on the hour. Uh, but I did want to put your page up. Uh, there's Cole and his, his lovely family walking along the beach. Uh, it's just, is it, there's two different addresses. There's Brocado for assembly and just vote bro. Justvotebro.com will take you to the website, which is Brocado for assembly. Just vote bro is just funner to say, and it's, it's a little easier to remember. So then, and shout out to my wife. She's a, she's got a, another little one that she's walking around with. We got a little girl on the way. So she's wow. due on the 4th of July. So you can't make this stuff up. Congratulations. So. Thank you. Well, so. Colt, thank you for uh, coming on. This was a great conversation. Uh, let's have you back on later in the race to see how things are going and awesome. update everybody. And, and maybe we'll do the, the three-way chat or whatever, the roundtable chat with the other person, the other candidate yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I I love the roundtable chat. So, thanks again for everybody for tuning on, uh, tuning in. Go to justvotebro.com to support support Cole and other assembly candidates. Go find yours. Go support them. This is where this is where the battle is right here in the legislature. So, yes, sir. Great. All right, you guys. Thank you very much. Take it easy. Take it easy. For listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it, and follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 